I don't think it's a stretch to say he's going to go down as a top 15 player ever. I don't think it's a stretch to say he has a really good chance to be in the conversation as a top 10 player of all time. I recognize that every modern NBA player has all the haters in the world, all the haters in the world. So Giannis travels too much. Uh, Giannis plays bully ball. Giannis can't make free throws. Giannis can't shoot jumpers. Great. The mother f dominates. <laughs> Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. That was J.J. Redick. We're going to talk some NBA this hour. Five o'clock hour is here. A little UNLV in the middle of the hour. Some XFL as well. John Von Tobel is the company. Here is Silver 7's. Come on down. Use the A-Play card. If you don't have one, you got to sign up for one. But take advantage of it. Almost every day they've got a promotion or a free giveaway. We're at Flamingo in Paradise. We're at the Bud Light Lounge. You've got the Silver and Gold Bar across the way. VGK Hockey on the TVs and during Golden Knights games. 77-cent beers. Can't beat that. I mean, that's, that is Vegas right yes. there, baby. 77-cent Bud Light, McUltra, and Bud. And Bud. You know, J.J. Reddick, I would say... It's just a natural thing with a guy who's brash who played at Duke. When he plays, you tend not to like him. Mm. But, man, the personality he brings as a member of the media and the personality being he seems to be the rare former player who leaves the game and does nothing but pump up today's players. While I'm shocked as guys get further away from the game, they get more bitter and old. Scared, and they start ripping. It's like part of their thing, ripping the current day players, and then even guys who are like five and ten years away. Because I'm talking about Barkley and Shaq, but even guys who are like five and ten years out of the game, whether it's football. And sometimes I'm like, "Are you stupid? Like I can't even believe you're saying this about players and what goes on, hammering." You know, I think that the there's a large group of NFL analysts where I'm like, "I did you play the game?" Yeah. Like, do you talk to current players like to, to get information? You know what the hell is going on? So I want to get to that in a couple of minutes because he was talking about the Greek freak there. And, man, every time I watch him, I was watching him the other night. Was that last night, Bucks and Celtics, or two nights ago? Two nights ago, yeah. Two nights ago. I'm like, my Lord. It's great. God, this guy is talented. Uh, we got basketball going down here in town right down the road from Silver Sevens over at the Thomas and & Mac. And, boy, the standard set by... Lindy LaRock and the Lady Rebels is freaking impressive. They're going for win 16 tonight. Not overall in a row. Yep. Overall, 25. They're trying to go to 15-0 in the Mountain West and clinch the regular season title. They're number 23 in the country. They get San Jose State tonight. They moved it to the Thomas and Mac. They expect a big crowd. 6.30 tip. Free T-shirt giveaway. First 2,500 fans in, get a Play for K t-shirt. They're going to be doing those uh, one of those tuition giveaways. That's really cool, cool. out of the t-shirt. Cannon have the tuition for a semester wrapped in a t-shirt. President Whitfield will be out there firing that into the crowd. And then $2 beers. So should be a raucous atmosphere. If you haven't watched them play, they play a really entertaining brand of basketball. They just wear out other teams, and they've got multiple scores. And most important, they're, they're intimidating. Desiree Young is a freaking monster. She is a tough cover. So that's coming up in about 90 minutes. San Jose State in town at the Thomas and Mac. Tickets still available. They're in the big building. Lady Rebels looking for win number 25. So 
let me get back to because I want to talk about what the East and the West look like now. And John's great on the NBA. He's the NBA insider. Official title at Vison? Uh Senior betting and NBA betting analyst. He's an expert. Okay, <laughs> NBA expert. So I respect his opinion. And and like JJ Redick, he appreciates the game. It's not a you know these guys these days and you know the the, the load management like. Watch the games. Don't worry about the load management. Watch the games. Watch the games and see the talent that's on the floor and then what comes off the bench, especially with some of the elite teams. And now we've got all these new combos. They're going to have to work into form more than combos, but mixes because of the trade deadline. I am so jacked up for what's going to happen in this league down the stretch and into the playoffs. And watching Giannis the other night and some of the stuff he does, getting himself close to the rim and some of the finishes – it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna botch the first name or just misremember it. It which Hauser is on the Celtics because the other one's still in college. Sam. So Sam Hauser, who you know was a big in college, six eight six nine. Of course, when you get to the NBA, it turns out you know you're six six and a half. Right. Him like being isoed at times against Giannis. I'm like this is ridiculous. This guy is so awesome. And to JJ Reddick's point, Giannis does have a chance. Now, to get on these lists, you got to win titles. Mm-hmm. That is part of it. He's got one. He really is. I mean, there's a reason he has a nickname. His skill set at that size, and now he's getting stronger and stronger. God, he's good. So think about it like from, for Giannis, right? So they go and they get Jay Crowder at the trade deadline. And why that matters, Jay Crowder's a fine piece, right? 3 and D wings, potentially, whatever it is. Why that matters is Jay Crowder's going to play power forward in some of these lineups. And you know what Giannis is going to be? He's going to be the center. That's, that's what's so incredible, not only about today's NBA, but just about Giannis himself. Some of their most elite lineups are with him playing the five. And he still is their lead ball handler, initiates their offense at times, is incredible in transition. The dude's, the dude's nuts. And that team is really good. I mean, they're, I'm watching them right now. They're playing the Bulls. Defensively, they're among the best in the NBA. It also speaks to, like, you know, the Suns are put together. It's fine. But, like, the odds makers overreacting to Phoenix, I still think Milwaukee is arguably the best team in the NBA. Yep. And I kept arguing with folks who were hanging out. I was, I was hanging out at a bar uh, about how good the Bucks were, and even the Bucks and Celtics. And, and, like, almost everyone around me is like, well, you know, but once they have to face someone from the West, they, you know, they're in trouble. I'm like, what are you, they're in trouble. <laughs> like, do you see what – first of all, they have arguably the best player in the game yep. in Giannis. And the other night he went for 36 and 13 and then also was like, oh, let me dish out nine assists. His finishing around the rim, he's unstoppable. Holiday scored 40. And then they just have, like, they've just added pieces upon pieces. You know, Lopez can be dangerous in certain spots. Listen, you watch him, and he, you just want to punch Grayson Allen in the face. But he's actually a pretty solid NBA player. He's a good role player. And, and it actually, it's funny, it takes me back to when he was in college. You watch certain guys when you cover college basketball, and you just see a difference. And I remember watching... And UNLV was going to be you know, kind of lamb to slaughter that night because it was oh. a men's East team that just was not equipped. But at T-Mobile, at T-Mobile, and I remember watching warm-ups and then in the game, how many times Grayson Allen, even in a game against UNLV, was shooting blind, basically. And just he, he's big, he's athletic. I mean, he's annoying, and he's dirty. But in some ways, that actually that does play well. You might annoy people, but mm-hmm. there's an edge to him. But you know, is Middleton all the way back yet? Probably not. So let's not forget how freaking good he was. And then I'm like, oh, there's Ingles. Uh, freaking uh, Carter's giving him good minutes. Yep. 
I'm like, man, they're dangerous. And then the other side, the, the Celtics are freaking loaded too. Yeah. Like, With- is Derek White the best player on the second unit? I mean, it, they, that's the thing. He's actually been starting games for him a little bit more, but like, and he's having a career shooting year too for them. So, like, they're going to be really well put together. They, and to your point about this whole thing with the NBA this year, like why you should be excited post-All-Star break because it starts after today, it's completely wide open. The Celtics and the, the Bucks are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia is right behind them. The Cleveland Cavaliers have quietly put together, like, a really great run, and they got smacked by Philly last night, but they're incredible. You look around this entire league, there's so much parity. And you talked about the West. I don't know what you know why anybody would think the West is hand, like far and away the best conference. You could tell me one of six teams makes it out of the Western Conference this year. I'd be like, all right, I believe it. It's, it's going to be awesome to see what this season looks like. All right, give me the follow-up comment from uh, J.J. Redick on uh, Greek Freak. I hate to tell you guys, there is no perfect basketball player. There is no basketball player without zero flaws in their game. None. George is the greatest player of all time. LeBron, who, LeBron's the greatest player. Whoever. I don't care. I They've all got flaws in their game. There's, all, there's always something you can nitpick. You can't nitpick with greatness. There you go. Oh, we've always done it, but it's super heightened now because there's so many more voices because of social media and the anonymity of going up on social media and trying to troll other people having basketball conversations, mm-hmm. trying to troll the players to punch down at you. But the game has never been better. It's never been deeper. The league is you know, incredible in terms of the, the teams that can win. And we've seen in the last couple of years, you know what a lot of it comes down to? Who gets to the finals not limping in? Yep. Who's going to stay healthy? Because it's a... It's a freaking grind. The Clippers may add who? Russell Westbrook. I want to see the story unfold. I don't know that I'm going to – I guess I don't hate the Clippers, so if it turns into a disaster, I'm not going to enjoy that story. But are you into this? You're kind of a Clippers guy. No. I'm a Clippers fan, so let's – Okay. I love that team. Um, No. No, here's the thing. Don't do it. No, 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 here's the thing. If you're going to tell me right now that Russell Westbrook is going to buy into the role of point guard, which is distributor, fewer shots, cuts to the basket, playing a little bit more off ball, screening in some lineups for guys, I, I think it works. I do. He's super athletic, can still get violently to the rim. I think he speeds them up, which is a good thing. They're a pretty slow team, so getting out in transition with Russell Westbrook could be a good thing. The problem is, what over the course of this large sample size of his career has told us that he's willing to do that, and especially in these declining years. That's just not the case. The, the Clippers are so much better when they have a point guard who works off ball, can shoot. That's why like, I was really hoping they would get Fred Van Vliet. That was a name that was tied to them. Mike Conley was a name that was tied to them. I just, If Russell Westbrook's going to come into this team and be Russell Westbrook, I just don't know how that fits. I don't know how that fits at all from a basketball perspective. I was worried when I saw it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And it seems to be a player-driven thing. Paul George came out and said it, like, like vehemently that they should look at Russell Westbrook. Kawhi hasn't really said anything, but, like, I just – you shouldn't have somebody who's taking away shots from guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Norm Powell, who's been fantastic for him. That shouldn't be the case. If he buys in, maybe it could work, but West, I just don't see why it would. Western Conference odds right now. Suns the favorite plus two thirty. Nuggets plus three fifty. Clippers five seventy five. Grizzlies, I'm a big, uh, big Grizzlies fan. Seven to one. Warriors seven fifty. Mavs seven fifty. Uh, Kyrie and Luca are the sixth choice. Seven fifty. Pelicans sixteen. Lakers twenty. 
So last night, Lakers pretty much had their full complement of players. Mm-hmm. They took on the Pelicans. The Pelicans did not, right? They're beat up. Lakers rolled pretty good in the second half. If you watch the game, you're looking around, you're like, wow, okay, there's some, there's some new guys here on the Lakers. Right. D'Angelo Russell, that whole trade got overshadowed by the other big deals. So give me your reaction to the Lakers. Is is there a legit reason to get excited? They have to be healthy, obviously. Um, I was fascinated by what kind of looked like a steal of a trade, but you, maybe you'll tell me I'm an idiot, in Mo Bamba as a backup big to play some defense. And also hadn't realized that he he likes to shoot. Yes. He was 0 for 5 last night from 3, but last two years he's been around 38 39%. Where do you want to start, Russell or Bamba as a depth guy? I mean, I would say that I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't expect Mo Bamba to play defense. I'll just say that. Like he there's a reason why the Magic like quietly that's another top pick that the Magic. I think they picked them fourth or whatever. Number 6. Yeah, 6. Okay. They were they, the Magic were willing to just be like, "Yeah, you go ahead. We'll take a buyout guy and, you know." I mean, that I mean, you know there has to be something to it. Like, and I don't think it was the the brawl, the fight a couple weeks ago no. where, you know, he wound up getting suspended, he and Austin Rivers. He just does not play enough defense to make right. him a, a super valuable seven-footer. No, I mean, look, so like, like we, you're talking about former Duke guys. The Magic went and got Wendell Carter in that, that Bulls trade. Wendell Carter immediately took Mo Bamba's spot as a former sixth overall pick. They gave him a big contract extension and then shipped him off for a guy who they're going to buy out and let go to wherever he wanted to go to. So I think that's why Mo Bamba was available. But to your overall point, Mo Bamba is still a very large man who can play next to Anthony Davis and LeBron James and not crowd the paint because he's not. that's not going to be where he's going to hang out. It's going to be Andre Drummond. It's not going to be the unpredictability of Psycho Bryant. Or remember when they were playing the two bigs back in their hey, like back when they were in the bubble, when it was like Marcus Saul and Anthony Davis, and they were just destroying teams on the offensive glass or Dwight Howard. That's not going to be the case. He can space the floor, he can shoot, so it kind of fits from that perspective. But I think you're more excited about Malik Beasley, who could be a really good volume shooter. You're more excited about D'Angelo Russell, who again fits that uh, that archetype of a point guard, but plays really well off ball next to a LeBron James type. Vanderbilt, who's a really good, switchable kind of defensive piece that works for a defense that wants to do those sort of things and get out and run. Vanderbilt totally works in that regard. I think you're more excited about the other pieces. Hachimura? Yeah, Hachimura too. I mean, and, well, and for Hachimura, I think it's more about what he can be. Like, you bought low on a, high, a highly selected kid who can still have a pretty high ceiling if, if they're developed properly. And, and I think we've always, I've always been consistent with this. The one thing the Lakers have an eye for, that scouting department's awesome. They're really good when it comes to talent evaluation and developing said talent. I mean, think about all the young kids that have come up developmentally and then gone on, Al Scruso, to have really good careers elsewhere. They have a really good eye for talent, so I would be excited about what Hachimura is going to be for sure. So watching down the stretch, Anthony Davis was coming down the floor kind of just scoring whenever and uh, from wherever he wanted to, right? And, you, you, like, you see the whole skill set, getting physical, shooting from deep, shooting mid-range jumpers. But there's always this feeling when you're watching the Lakers that you probably shouldn't get too excited because of him. And that narrative, it's going to be touch and go every friggin' game. It's and it's unfortunate, you know? Yeah. Like you just don't know if he's gonna last. But if he if he lasts with Russell, with LeBron, and A D and good supporting players who can fill a bunch of roles, I I think they have a chance to make a run. You see how balanced the West is now. Obviously, they have to get into the playoffs, so they have right. to get off of thirty-seven and twenty-two where they are right now. And the, I mean, they're going to have to win some games. Like everyone's not going to fall back behind them. Well, and, and think 
So think about this too, right? So I agree with you. Like, I, I think the excitement is that they could be a playoff team, and then we'll see what happens from there. But, like, the, the West play-in, because remember, once you get in, you got to win a play-in. The West play-in could be the Lakers, the Pelicans at full strength with Zion Williamson, the Golden State Warriors, because they're still floating around and at full strength potentially with Steph Curry, the Sacramento Kings, any one of these teams. Dallas Mavericks could slip down there. Any of those teams could be play-in teams. And that's a gauntlet that you've got to get through because those are just one-off games. Those are not best-of-seven series or best-of-threes. you got to get in. you got to win one or two games and then make it into a best-of-seven series. So, like, could they be a, play in t- a playoff team? Absolutely. And I think they're like – I throw them – I don't know if you think this is fair. I throw them in a category with, like, Dallas. I think if you were to tell me Dallas were to knock off any one of these teams in a playoff series, I would totally believe it. But winning three, four – Best of seven series in a Western Conference that's got a lot of talent in it, that's where I, that's where I would be a little cautious with Dallas and, and Los Angeles. All right, so what's your pick right now? In terms of? Who, who's, I'm based on value and reality, who's got the best shot to win the West? So I think based on value, you're going Golden State. I think once they're fully healthy, they still match up really well with a team like Phoenix. Uh, I think that they are undervalued by the betting market because I always like to look at teams that are underperforming because of lack of availability as opposed to poor play. And the Warriors have played poorly, especially on the road, and they're still trying to figure some stuff out defensively. But I think for the most part, you still have that elite starting five. I think from a value standpoint, you're looking at Golden State. You can find them like 850 to win the Western Conference. That's a really big number for a team that's been missing its best player for two stretches and is the reigning Western Conference champion. Um, And then you mentioned them. Like, these little trade deadline deals go by the wayside because they're not big names. I, I, I think everybody's sleeping on what the Clippers did in, on the trade deadline. Getting a backup big like Plumlee is huge for that team, figuratively and literally. Getting Eric Gordon to add to that backcourt to another just, like, defensive player who can shoot threes is in- incredible for them. Like, I, that's why I also don't think you want to get Westbrook because you went and improved this team already. See what you have with it, and you're starting to win games now too. I think they shouldn't be slept on that the Clippers are kind of rounding into form here a little bit. Come on down, watch Maki tonight, get the 77-cent beers. Uh, Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra also use the A-play card here at Silver 7s at Flamingo and Paradise all month long. In February, they've got the Spring Fling drawing. Great prizes include uh, wireless sound bars, uh, just straight-out cash prizes worth a 1000 bucks. Ooh, the big, uh, the big green egg grill. Those are awesome. Yeah. I wish I had one of those. Um, also, Yeti coolers, but you got to get in. They're going to be doing it all through the month of February. It's the uh, Spring Fling Drawing. Get the A-Play card. Come on down and play here at Silver 7s. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at BJVT or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. Get, get, get down. Yeah, I went to Pizza 51. <laughs> That's what I did. I got a, a mushroom and a sausage pizza. How about that? And a salad just to make my you know, chubbiness feel, feel uh, good. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Now that's a coach for Cofield and Company right there. Andy Reid, big fella. From here, it'll be all Hawaiian shirts. Very blousey. Yes. And celebrated, very high-end celebration. No cigars, no steak, no wine. Pizza. Questionable topic. You a mushroom guy? I like mushrooms, and I don't mind them on my pizza. 
I would not go mushrooms and sausage. It's like my main topping. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the sausage. I'm not a, I'm not a mushroom guy. Yeah. I'm a big sautéed mushrooms like with your steak and stuff. I feel stuff, like they get too mushy yeah. on pizzas. Yeah. I've never been to Pizza 51, so that was that was a free pop right there for that place here in Vegas. I'm going to Kansas City in, a, I don't know, six weeks or so, so maybe I'll have to stop in. Maybe. I feel like I still owe Joe Esposito. Our basketball insider for a couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, after he uh, finished up here with Menzies, and now he's with Menzies at Kansas City. I feel like I owe him another bet. It's hard when you bet long distance. How do you pay it off? Right. I mean, I guess you could just send money. But when you bet food, it's like, here, here's a uh, pizza card. Go. You could door dash it. Then they probably lose it. Oh, that. Just, well. Just have it show up to his house. Yeah, it's a little weird, right? They're out of town for the weekend. <laughs> They see a well, you do it on the day when he, you know he's going to be home. After a game, after a home game. Yeah. And hopefully he comes right home. All right, I'll figure it out. But I, I, I could do it face-to-face. That's the point. I don't know if I want to get pizza, though, in Kansas City. When I go to Kansas City, I want barbecue. I mean, the, the pictures look all right. I looked up the place. Yeah. There's another place I always order from that's just okay. You also, when you go to someone's town and they have a pizza they like, you can't, you, you're kind of... You're kind of risking it, insulting them, being like, ah, I really don't like that place. Try yeah. something new. That place sucks. I'm like, okay. It's good. So the other night you got to see the Rebels up close. You've been watching all the run Rebel games. Uh, you actually did color, I was right? Because uh, CT was not available. And you and I were just talking during the break about what's happened to the Rebel season. I added it to my LinkedIn bio already, by the way. Nice. Yeah. Color, color analyst, you and I'll be best. Yep, officially a color analyst. Um so they started out great, ten and zero, eleven and one. Defense was the calling card. Turning the you know turning the other team over, calling card. They've continued to turn other teams over, but man, I I don't remember a season, especially with UNLV, where the play has been so uneven. They played such good defense to start the year. The switching man worked. Other teams were like, man, we can't even start our offense. You know, within like twenty eight feet of the basket, and then the adjustments come. And the adjustments to the adjustments just don't seem like they're there. And a perfect example was the game the other night. They're taking on a San Jose team, which you can't get swept by San Jose State. That's not a, that's not a good sign. Tim Miles is great. He's a really good coach. And they do have talent. Like, their front line when they start, you know, the center came in from Ohio State. One of the forwards is from Temple. The other forward is from South Carolina. Got a former they, Arizona kid in there, too, don't they? They bring... They bring uh, a guy off the bench in Gorner, who's a six-nine shooter. Omari Moore is their best player, and he's an NBA prospect. And so they did exactly. I thought they did almost exactly what they wanted against Omari Moore in the first half into the second, right? Making sure that he doesn't go right, and he doesn't create mismatches on the opposite side of the floor for uh, you know long passes and threes on the weak side. But then the problem was that the counters, the other guys on the team, kept getting lost in switches, or I guess kept getting freed up in switches. And San Jose, just like a lot of teams, shot the ball well from three. And they wound up being plus 21 from three. Then it opened up things inside. They scored 30 points in the paint. So you watched. What do you think of, hey, plan number one, you know, goal number one on defense you mostly got it done, except for some, uh, some Amari more like amazing threes in the last five minutes. Right. You mostly got it done. You stymied their best player, but then after that, you couldn't execute the next couple of steps. Yep. I thought so. Defensively, 
they were doing it like what what I kept saying on the broadcast was on the initial part of the possessions for San Jose State, they were doing a great job. Like there were moments where you know you talk about the small lineup that they roll out there. There was there were moments where Jordan McCabe switched on to like Diallo, and he's like he's fronting him, he's doing as much as he can, he's fighting down low, and he's they're denying giving them that mismatch initially. But because you're doing that, then you give up offensive rebounds. So then you're giving up second chance points in that regard. You have a guy like Noel who's out there who's performing somewhat admirably for the most part, but then there's key moments where he's not communicating on switches properly or it's not being communicated to him where he needs to go. So then you give up like a wide-open three that goes down. He, I don't know if it was a misremembering of the scouting report, but there were a couple of times, and namely in the first half he did it, where he was playing a little too far off of a shooter. And so the guy was just like, all right, well, if you're going to play off of that, I'll just hit you with a quick jab step and then hit a three. And that happened a couple of times. Like defensively, there were, mo- there were so many possessions I thought that they were playing really well for the initial part, but then just that one thing would go wrong for them, and that would lead to what was happening in that game, which were wide-open shots. Like th- There were some tough contested shots. That was not one of those unlucky games where some of those tough looks were going down. A lot of those were pretty good looks for San Jose State. Anderson's were all good looks. Yes. And he's a small forward who played at South Carolina. You know, good guy. He's going you know, to wind up being a three-year player. And that's kind of how Tim Miles has built his team through some transfers. They needed some quick fixes. And on the other side, man, I, just, I feel like – I feel like UNLV is is constantly caught between trying to build and get some continuity, but also feeling the pressure of winning immediately. Mm-hmm. So they've got a team that played really well, and they were led by you know some of those one and done transfers. And then as guys started to get hurt, and then other teams in the league figured out how to defend them, then players who needed to step up haven't been able to step up and. I like uh, EJ Harkless a lot. I thought he was going to be great. I thought he'd be the alpha on the team. But it's almost like I'm going to use a word that's not a word. But it's almost like his alphaness sometimes shuts everyone else down on offense. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're ready to go. You know what? He's the best player. Let's just you know let's let's not stand around, but let's not be as active and aggressive when we have the ball. Right. And let EJ go. So they're going to have to they're going to have to get more scoring from other folks. And obviously they're going to have to shore up defensively the switches because they're leaving way too many people open for three. You're now talking about a team that's allowing, in conference, uh, about 36% shooting by the opposition, which is not – that's not good enough. And I think, too, one of the things – I mean, like you mentioned, playing small is one thing. But one of the things that they really have to shore up to is the center position. I think you need a little bit more. Moloka did a pretty decent job. They were trying to work with him in some lobs and putting him in position to, to do it. But like I, the phrase uh, I used yeah. was like, "You need a big that's got some more supple hands, like can do stuff he's, around." He's the just Moloka is. He, you can see on certain plays, you're like, "All right, there it is, right?" Because he, he is good on the lob at times, but his hands just aren't strong enough and consistent enough. And if you watch Kevin Kruger during the game, he was just getting so frustrated and. I don't know, for some reason, I guess it's because they played really big teams. Like Vicky Waco, who's playing center most of the time at 6'7", I mean, he just got swallowed up against San Jose State. And he really, he, I mean, there were some times when in the San Diego State game, he'd try to attack the board, and you would just see him like almost come out like ducking, like he got pushed, like get the hell out of here. Yep. And so I wanted to, I'll describe this for audience. I wanted to show you this really quickly because I was mentioning to you the first play. I thought it was really well designed where, like, they come up the floor, they give it to Mocha at the top of the key, and then you have an action here in the middle of the floor with uh, Keyshawn Gilbert and EJ Harkless at least to a wide-open lob attempt up top. And, like, and, and David, unfortunately, jumped a little early yep. and got underneath the rim. 
that's something they've been using all year. And then they tried to use it a lot because I, I think they believe that both Viola and uh, Diallo, the center centers for San Jose, couldn't cover it. But then there was the counter. Yep. And then you had the, the big man basically, you know, drop hard. And at that point, it was like the UNLV guards then tried to throw the lob too often or where they were throwing the lob from was weird because they would they're jumping in the air and then you know you're kind of caught in between am i going to throw a runner or to the big and meanwhile the the two bigs for san jose state are backing up so like you're no man's land like you you got to be ready to shoot because now you're throwing into someone defending and i think we should also mention so too like the offense was pretty disjointed throughout that game i also think there were like there's little moments that i think are pretty coachable moments but i don't think should be happening at this point of the season like, one of the bigger moments near the end of the game, I, I thought the dunk attempt from Keyshawn Gilbert was a little inexcusable. To go up for, like, a one-handed yam when you're trying to come back into this game and completely flub it and then give the ball back. Yeah. Like, I get that it was a momentum-shifting play. And if you were to land that dunk, then, like, it'd be pretty good. The momentum's back. But that's, that's an inexcusable moment that should be coachable. And at this point of the season, it's not a mistake that you should be making. Get 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7s Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. XFL, that's right, football is back. XFL is right around the corner. we got a local team, the Vegas Vipers, are going to be playing at Cashman Field. First game at home is on February 25th, so a couple Saturdays from now. You can grab your tickets at XFL.com. Look for the Vipers page. Grab those tickets. Uh, opening game, though, is this weekend on the road, which is really not on the road because all the teams are working in uh, Arlington, Texas. So Vegas is at Arlington. It's a th- check that noon start. It'll be on ABC. As we get you ready for the season, we've been talking to a lot of the players, and one guy has a, a hometown tie because he played here at UNLV. He may be one of the starting tackles for the Vipers, and it's Clayton Bradley. And I had a chance to sit down with uh, Big Clayton, who was a Rebel for a couple of years, and you know has been trying to get into pro football. And his journey is pretty interesting. He gets into his journey here, and I started out the convo the obvious way. Hey, you know what have you been doing since you left UNLV? I had my pro day at, uh, at UNLV. I, I got my scores and just, just waited for the draft. Uh, unfortunately, my name was not called, but I did receive a rookie training or a rookie mini camp invite from the Broncos. So I went up there for about three days, worked my skills, showed the coaches what I could do, and but unfortunately, they they already had their their guys going into training camp. So they told me to sit near the phone and and if anything uh, if anything changed, I'll be their first call. So that, that Sunday when I arrived at home, my agent reached out and said that Montreal, the Montreal Alouette had actually sent over a contract, and if I was interested, it was a, uh, a guaranteed opportunity to, to get my name out there and continue my football career. So I, took, I probably took three days to pack my house, and I was <laughs> on that next flight to Montreal. Um, I was there for about three and a half months, got through training camp, got into the season, and uh, unfortunately the... Um, the Canadian, the ratio with Americans is a little bit different than the NFL. So when, when they needed a cornerback from the States, I was uh, I was sent back home to uh, to to the States and, and started training up again. I, I heard about the XFL briefly and went to the Orlando um, went to the Orlando private workout and actually uh, got some tape, got to be in front of some coaches, 
and just waited for that draft. So I've been been training up until this point. And when I got that call from Vegas, I was uh, I was super excited to be able to come back to a, a familiar location. And and that's that's what brought me to uh, Arlington, Texas. And and we're here. I'm uh, working hard, competing right now, and I got promoted. So I've been taking the uh, the reps with the one at left tackle, with the ones at left tackle, and everything's good. Just trying to stay on, stay on my grind, stay on my path, and continue to work towards February 18th. Nice. All right, so it's gone, been going pretty well. Uh, Clayton Bradley, that's the voice you hear, former UNLV lineman, former USC lineman. So tell me what you got out of the Broncos experience and the three months with Montreal in terms of learning, things maybe you need to work on. Um, how has that gone so far in terms of the learning process? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's actually it's been great. I got to, while I was at the Broncos, I got to, once I got the iPad, I really I saw the, the jump from collegiate to the NFL. I got to see, look at, I got to see the playbook. I got to sit down, and talk to some of the coaches, understand how the meetings went, and I feel like that that's a that's a huge advantage. Just knowing what to expect when you get to that level. I'm not down because I'm very driven and I have health. My journey's not over, but it was just it's just more fuel to the fire to get back to that level. And I believe that the this XFL is that opportunity, and you have you have executives, you have coaches that that's their main focus is to get you in and get you out. So. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been amazing. Montreal, it's a different game. Going up there as an offensive tackle, the defense lining up a yard off the ball, was it was an adjustment. So the first few practices, you take two kick steps, like at a 45, and you have a DN going all the way inside right to the quarterback. So it's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different, it's a different game, but it was uh, it was very nice to uh, see a different country and just learn, learn a little bit about a different culture and a different brand of football. Did you pick up a little French, or uh, are you multilingual already? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not. And fortunately, most uh, most French Canadians are bilingual, so it was it wasn't too hard to get by. But I got we and uh, <laughs> a few a few numbers, so yeah, yeah. I, I could get that for. Yeah, I thought Montreal was cool. I went up there a couple times to actually cover um, UFC fights. MMA fights and downtown Montreal, like you feel like you are in Europe. I mean, there's a different culture there. It's not, you know, it's not snooty, but it's definitely, it's definitely a different area. So, I wanted to talk about your experience in Vegas. What was your undergrad degree at USC, and then what did you finish up with in postgrad at UNLV? At USC from 2015 to 2019, uh, I got a degree in communications. I had my appendix removed in that 19 season, about the third game, I believe, or maybe fourth. So I, I knew I was taking that medical and I just believed that I needed a, a new start. It was my fourth my fourth position coach, my second head coach, and I just felt that it was a time to go somewhere and just be the guy at that position. So got in the transfer portal and talked to Coach Norcross and Coach Arroyo at the time and they were both just they were they were both coming in from, from different schools and they were coming to rebuild and would like me be to be a part of that of that journey and I was I was super excited to still be able to stay on the West Coast. You mentioned Marcus Arroyo. Were you surprised that after three years UNLV said uh, you know we're gonna move on? At the end of the day it, it came down to well, wins and losses. So during that, that six game COVID season we didn't we we didn't get a win. 2021, I believe we had two. Yeah, no, the work was there. The preparation was there. I think I, I don't want to speak too much about 
about the outcome. I do appreciate my coaches for the opportunity, the bonds I made, the relationships I made with the teammates. So UNLV went in a new direction, and I wish them nothing but the best. Hopefully I'll be able to, to stop by in the offseason and catch a game. No bad blood. I mean, obviously I would have I wish would have liked to win a few more games. Clayton Bradley's with us. So the, uh, the new coaching staff actually is probably going to have 35 new guys in, which means there's going to be attrition. Some players are going to be moving on. They're setting up a lot of competition. I just wanted to ask you about some of the, the linemen you had played with and what you thought of them. Uh, Amani Trigg Wright emerged. Um, last year he had a battle for his, uh, his playing time at the end of the year. But uh, Yeah, no, I, I, I was actually really surprised by the, the talent level and the, the record I was coming into at UNLV. They had some guys who didn't have the stars, but they definitely had the skill set and they were they were wanting to be developed. I believe that was just, just from a coaching standpoint with the right coach and the right fit. I mean, there's multiple players on the offensive line and the whole team that could be at that power five level. So that's what you saw in the offseason. You saw people who transferred based on coaching. They went to power five. They're going to Pac-12. Yep. And yep. Was, yeah, no, there's a lot of talent and just hasn't been on paper. You're not going to be able to see that. But I do believe with, with the right system, there's UNLV could, could surprise a lot of teams. Yeah, Noel Williams on to Cal, uh, Lee Fontenot, the center. Uh, he's off to Arizona State. Kyle Williams went to Wazoo. Uh, you didn't get to play with the big running back, Aiden Robbins, but he's on to yeah. Uh, BYU. So, yeah, they, they, that team had some talent, and guys have moved up in terms of Power 5. I wanted to ask you one more question about the line, because as they set up competition for this year, um, you know, I'm looking at some of the younger guys that you got to uh, mentor and, and play with in practice in terms of the big fellows, because the, the biggest guys didn't always get in at the guard positions. You got anything on a, a Lonnie McAhaley, who's, you know, 350 pounds at 6'3", and then Anthony Rosa's a little bit younger, but he's also a guy who's 6'3 and 335. What do you think of their upside? I, I was close with both of them, actually. A Lonnie, great person. I've never, I've never met someone from Alaska, but he's a big family guy. He's probably one of the strongest people I've ever seen in the weight room. So I always thought that spoke for itself. He had a few, few slips during spring with uh, the ankle and whatnot. But I believe with proper system and the proper uh, nutrition, he could. I mean, he can. The sky's the limit for him. Yeah. Anthony Rosas, I was there for. Uh, I think I had one season with him, but the same thing. There's guys who. They loved the weight room. They're committed. Whenever we had breaks, I would see that Anthony Rosas was at, he was training. He was always back home at the training facility. So I think that's the biggest thing that sets Lyman apart is the strength. From what I've seen on social media, uh, I think that Coach Odom is, uh, he'll put them both in position to succeed. Opener on February 18th. Home opener is February 25th. You can go up to XFL.com, go to the Vipers page, and grab your tickets for the games down at Cashman. How much have you, Clayton, had a chance to work with Bob Wiley, who is the offensive line coach? But when I saw my name on Vegas, I, I mean, I was super excited. Obviously, my family's in, and I received a call from Coach Wiley. He has a lot of experience. He's a guru when it comes to offensive line play. So I, I have tried to pick his brain and just hear critiques and whatnot, but it mostly comes from uh, the drill work. When we watch drills, we watch uh, film from the 80s and 90s. He's been doing this a very long time, and... The knowledge is, uh, is second to none, so it's, it's really about what he says and trying to it because these drills transfer over, and that's what I'm really starting to starting to realize. It's, uh, it's been a blessing. The 18th coming up quick, but I think that anyone's going to get us there will be Coach Wiley. Yeah, 34 years coaching the O-line. We saw him on the reality show on Hard Knocks, real characters, got the big belly. So he's barking. I think he had like some super-powered sports car, a big fella kind of squeezing into that. So I can't wait to cover Bob Wiley and the – the rest of you guys. Hey, I wanted to ask you before we get out of here, uh, what do you think of what USC did in the first year results with Lincoln Riley? How crazy was that? Uh, yeah, I was, I was actually very, very impressed. So I still have uh, some ties to USC because I wasn't 50. The guys coming in, I was I, I played with. So 
The O-line did. They played their, their butts off. Caleb Williams was a great addition. Jordan Addison, they opened some eyes and showed the SC fans what, what uh, Lincoln Riley has in store for them. I believe with another year, of, another round of transfers and recruits and one more offseason with the strength staff, uh, sky's the limit. Playoffs, if not a championship, that's, that's, that's my prediction. Sign up for an A-Play card and receive a guaranteed $10 in free play with a chance to win up to $150 in free play at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bag up, Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Cofield's out on his way down to the Thomas and Mack Center. Hopefully you are too. Uh, it is a big night out here in Las Vegas over at the TNM. Lady Rebels taking on San Jose State. Number 23 UNLV, should say, taking on the Spartans. Uh, big night. Sole possession of the Mountain West Conference regular season championship on the line. So, of course, in the big building today and uh, plenty of reasons outside of just supporting the Lady Rebels to go ahead and get down there. Four free canes for students starting at 6.30 p.m., first 2,500 in. Get a play for K t-shirt, and it's $2 beer night. So make sure you go down and check that out. And also, if you can't make it down, we'll be televised locally on the Silver State Sports Entertainment Network where you will see Steve Cofield and Wyatt Tomchek, my buddy Wyatt, Works me over at Visa and uh, does a really great job over there and on the broadcast with Cofield. So make sure you go ahead, check that out, and support the Lady Rebels in a big night tonight. All right, give it a, uh, get in there. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I uh, wanted to not get out of here before mentioning this. And, Ari, I'm sure we're probably not going to get to the cuts. So you don't have to worry about this because there are some news that I wanted to hit before we got out of here. Um, this came down a little bit earlier today right before the show. St. Alvin Kamara is among four men that have been indicted in a battery case. Uh, it's been reported, Kamara, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Chris Lamons, and two other men have been indicted by a grand jury for allegedly assaulting a man out here in Vegas. That was at a nightclub in February 2022. For those who don't remember, all four men indicted on charges of conspiracy to commit battery and battery, resulting in substantial bodily harm. So we, in the report, we see a lot of the stuff that you kind of expected, right? Um, all of the uh, powers that be, Kamara's attorneys, have said that they're going to fight this thing and uh, they're can to contest the charges. It's all stuff that I think we would expect. The indictment, according to the report, means that the case will move from the Las Vegas Justice Court to District Court on March 2nd. Uh, what I wanted to tie this into, and we'll see how this plays out, but I do think this does impact potentially what we're going to see in terms of a decision from Derek Carr. Derek Carr, obviously very much tied to the New Orleans Saints given the connections to the coaching staff. The betting odds have him as um, the most probable outcome being taking his first snap with the New Orleans Saints next season. I do wonder if this does change things for Camp Carr with the possibility of Alvin Kamara maybe not being available due to league punishment that could be handed down by the time next season comes around. Don't know if it fully uh, pushes the option out, but it does, I think, throw it into some question. And I've been making the case for a couple of days now I, I do think Carolina is a sneaky, sexy spot for a guy like Carter Land in a division that could be wide open, although I did get to talk to Jason Locke and Foro over on my a job at VEASAN the other day and uh, well-connected in the Baltimore area, did mention that he thinks Atlanta's a big player for Lamar Jackson, so the division could get pretty tough if Jackson is indeed inquired by the Atlanta Falcons. But Kamara getting indicted here, you do wonder if there's some interesting ripple effects that come out of uh, something like this in the coming months and what that means for Derek Carr and his decision moving forward here. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. 
A quick shout-out to our guy. I cannot wait. Uh, look, there's some big basketball. There's a big basketball game later tonight. Phoenix Suns and Los Angeles Clippers going to be going at it. I'll be watching it. But an hour in, I will be taking a break, or I'll be putting it on the secondary screen uh, because our dude, Mark McMillan, still in action over on this next-level chef. So i gotta t- I got to take this in. Uh, McMillan, of course, I don't know if anybody got to see this. I'm sure they did. Uh, but fumbling it, I think, uh, in terms of – I don't entirely get the concept, but – was trying to get the shrimp on the uh, the rising plate or whatever it was and didn't get the hops up in time, and the shrimp fell all over the place. But I'm very much excited to watch what McMillan's got in store for us over on Next Level later tonight. So I'll be watching that. 8 o'clock. Shout out to our guy, Mark. Can't wait to see how he does. All right, back in there one more time. Nope. Take your hand in there. Ah, there it is. All right, thanks, Ari. Uh, just really quickly, I know, relax. Wanted to mention that uh, it is already starting with Jacob DeGrom. Uh, injury watch already on. He's got a little bit of a tight side. As a precaution, they're going to put him uh, off to the side, not let him pitch a bunch. But this is the reason why. I mean, it's a it's a good signing for the Texas Rangers, but uh, interesting to watch him in terms of availability and injury as you move forward in his uh, new career with the Texas Rangers. And I'm already starting. I'm an Angels fan, and I can already feel the excitement building. Cannot wait to watch baseball, these new rule changes, what that's going to mean for the sport and what that's going to mean for my Angels. For everybody else, I appreciate it. Ari, great job. Angel, thank you very much. Remember, Thomas and Max Center for the Lady Rebels tonight. We'll see you.